Good evening, and happy Halloween, dear listeners. Tonight's episode marks Chapter 1 on our investigation of the Powder Ridge Ski Resort. Join Ben, my brother Matt, and I as we follow a lead containing several different instances of paranormal phenomena. Sit with us during a fireside interview as employees share their experiences, and they are many, before we explore the ski slopes themselves. Lastly, you will hear about our trip to the Haunting at the Ridge attraction before we settle in to our theories about what may be going on at this most unusual location. So, sit down in your comfiest chair, grab something hot to drink, and join us at the Haunting at Powder Ridge. Let's go on an adventure to the brink and Maybe get some answers, answers to the big questions. Let's leave our shells and who we are behind. Understand, understand that it's just the other side. To communicate clearly into the red light. Tell us who you are, give us a sign. Ah, there you are. I've been expecting you. I was just about to launch into my Halloween tale, a tale of three hubristic fools who received an invitation to wander a haunted trail full of folks in costumes and quaint props. How hard could it be after everything they've seen so far? Yet waiting beyond the tree line, there are curious thoughts who occur to those wandering off the trail, whistling in the wood, a black dog watching from beyond. Poltergeist activity, a lost child who is more than she appears to be. Shapeshifters. You know the kind. All of that and more. Also, my wife really freaked out when some stuff started happening at home the moment we got on the... You'll see. All in good time. You'll get your tail. But be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Haunt and Gather, a podcast about the new American folklore exploring homesteading and adventure in the great outdoors. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. We are here today with uh, myself, Ben Baginski, and Jack. Chrisky and Matthew Chrissy, Jack's brother. So uh, Matt was last with us when we were in the Hessian village. Uh, and last time we had some drinks as well. That was the most fun to record, not just because of the drinks, but because we were also recording all in person. We liked that energy. We wanted more of that. And there's a couple important reasons why we're recording in person today. Uh, you guys have done some stuff. And we're going to be doing some stuff later this evening before we come back for recording. Yes. So we are, we have the footage. We've been there. We've been to Powder Ridge while you were busy away on your honeymoon, Ben. Yes. 
Again, I was in Disney while you went to scary places. Yeah, this is turning into a trend. Can we switch places? No! Like, what? <laughs> so, uh, I was in the Haunted Mansion. So, uh, I just wanted to first say a couple things of shopkeeping before we jump into Powder Ridge and what it is. Uh, there's not going to be a gather this episode where we, we, we kind of share our leads. Uh, instead, I, all I really wanted to cover... Uh, we had recently an interview with the demon folklorist Victoria J. And uh, so she let us know that the publication of her book, The Black Hours, is being pushed back. It was going to come out on Halloween. Now it is November 27th. November 27th. You can still get a copy of her ebook or a physical copy at hearusscream.com hearusscream.com you know i i really enjoyed that interview and i also i'm pre-ordering a copy of her book because i mean what we went over the interview itself was fascinating it was just such a different take on the paranormal to how we typically approach it frankly i found it refreshing i thought it was a lot of fun and she is just such a nice person she really is nicest person i met on twitter <laughs> you know you've actually met about four or five at this point yes. right on x yeah, that's right. Not Twitter anymore. The festering corpse that was. So, so when we've talked about Powder Ridge, it's usually been in our gathers where we're swapping notes about our research leads. So just so that in case anyone hasn't heard any previous episodes, go back, listen to those. But also, in case you just wanted all the information in one place, I'm going to kind of open up to Jack and also to Matt, who got this ball rolling in the first place. What is Powder Ridge? What's happening there? So Matt, this one's definitely, I think this one's definitely going to start out with a, a little bit of light lore. Hmm. And we learned a lot more about Powder Ridge than I, even I knew about it. And we live fairly close. So it, it has actually a bit of a history. Before it was a ski resort, I guess it was a commune. The ski resort itself had closed for a while. And then they are now back reopened, like what they're doing with the place. Uh, but before I think we get too much into it, because I think the lore ties heavily into the questions and the interview that we did, I'd really love to turn it over to Matt, who I, he, he got the lead for this. You know, he, he had the contact and definitely made it happen. If you kind of want to go into how that came together. Absolutely. So uh, I talked a little bit about the show with John, uh, my good buddy who actually works up at Powder Ridge, and he ended up being kind of the main contact that we worked with in order to get this kind of ball rolling. And I've been talking with John now for probably the better half of a couple months on this project, but I've known John for a few years. We play airsoft together, we go get beers every so often, and he's actually a pretty big fan of the show as is. So it was one of those moments where he started chatting to me one night about the fact that he works up at Powder Ridge and there's some actually some stuff going on up there. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. So what, like, what type of stuff? And he started mentioning some of the stuff we're gonna discuss a little bit later into this episode. And I said, that's really interesting. What's, you know, what's this man? What, how are we actually, can we make something happen here? And as we kept kind of talking about it, as the weeks went on, we'd chat maybe once in a while. And he, uh, every so often, he'd keep coming back and he'd say, that was a great episode you guys threw out. And then he'd bring me another thing about Powder Ridge. I thought this wasn't going to happen because this is the thing. 
I kept being like teased stories mm. about this place and it almost seemed like this white whale of wouldn't it be cool if we could look at it. Well, so it, it started out with the owner actually being pretty averse, I guess, or at least the impression was the impression that the owner was... would be pretty averse, very reputation minded, totally respect that local small business owner. And so it, it changes, the, it can change a dynamic exactly when you become a local haunted place exactly yeah. and it very and, much initially was introduced to me as like hey there's some weird stuff going on up here but the employ but my fellow employees working up here as well would love to have like an interview session with you guys away from the park you know just don't mention it just don't do anything like that don't draw an attention to it but we want to really talk about what's going on here and so that was the form we figured it would take we'd be meeting with these employees we'd gather around i don't know on-site off-site i guess it depends and just get them to sort of share their stories a bit you know a little bit of a you keep using the term ben and i love it like the paranormal humans of new york but how much access we would actually get to the place would be limited to non-existent and right? we're used to that because same with the hessian village we have to be discreet on where the hessian village is so i thought this would just be added to our lexicon of our secret map right exactly the the couple of fun places that we can go to but unfortunately can't talk about because we don't want to ruin that reputation it's all the connecticut spots folks the new york spots which are my neck of the woods i have been nothing but forthcoming about and will continue to be i feel attacked so <laughs> uh, but anyway matt please uh, we we cut in on you yeah so as this kind of progressed and eventually we were really kind of hitting around september time and i was talking to you guys a little bit about what were your plans for halloween what was the halloween episode and stuff like that all of a sudden he calls me and he's like, hey, by the way, something has developed. And he sends me a text message line. And the text message line reads, oh, by the way, the owner has said yes. That you guys can come and do interviews. Not only, you know, do interviews with the people there, but do it on site. And actually be able to do a full episode with the permission of Powder Rich. That was such so a win. Cool. That's such so cool. That's win. our first that's like that's that is such a big milestone for for any paranormal group right the the very first time that someone comes to you and says hey i've got something weird going on and i'd like you to come check it out can i also say this is from an investigation perspective this is this is fresh blood this is not a place known to be haunted this no. is not now you have locally, people locally, locally yes. yes so it what a what a cool thing thanks to john huge thank you to john Howard. thanks to john and the powder ridge crew because yes. they yes. were all very not only inviting but all willing to share their stories and really like bring us into what's happening there and i i have to say especially when we got on site they really went out of their way to make us feel at home everyone was accommodating you know when it did eventually come time to walk the trail at night everyone went there, it wasn't like two, so or, cool. two or three that agreed to come with us, and the rest are like, ah, I'm good, I'll stay behind. Everyone's more like, oh man, I'm really like, yeah, but we're all going, so okay. You know, and I like that because that means they weren't humoring us. No. That, that is something they were involved in. So w one thing I wanted to, I understand you had a phone interview, and then there was an on-site. Okay, so because we're about to get into the investigation proper... And what steps the both of you made, my understanding to sum up so far, 
we have a lead that there is a haunted house attraction at a ski lodge where because of the choice in decorations, be that skinwalkers or Wendigo, it might have actually triggered some sort of curse. Now, I personally uh, had brought up that there were some concerns for a couple reasons. One is the cultural appropriation of First Nation myths and folklore, and two, and we've talked about this before, is this getting into a victim-blaming curse sort of thing that you get with Native American burial grounds. This is something that comes up a lot. So, obviously, we're doing the whole episode today, so we've talked about this, but Jack, uh, what it, what you having been there and in, in getting the full story, what is this? Okay, so the concerns, unfounded. There, there is not native appropriation. Uh, depictions of, like, Skinwalker Wendigo is definitely more in the realm of your internet creepypasta. Did a really good job. No signs that it's attributed to Native American anything. Because it's, you also had explained, this is an outdoors cryptid theme, of which you're going to naturally get uh, overlapping into folklore and exactly. mythology, right? Yes. Okay. So there, there's no attributing it to, you know, it's a Native American curse. There's no burial ground, none, Sweet. none of that. Completely good in that regard. Okay, and if this is a Skinwalker issue, uh, then obviously one thing that we do run into a lot of the time with the folklore around it is if you talk about it, if you call attention to it, if you mock it, if you make a right. facsimile of it, you're calling it. So to that degree, I also don't think that that's victim blaming. That's monster blaming. We're, <laughs> we're, we're blaming specifically the monster. We This is how you make the... This yeah. is how you get ants, the, right? This, this is the playbook. <laughs> this is what happens to do it. You're doing it. And they did it, potentially. Uh, so, you know, I got, I got pretty excited when I heard about this. Uh, since you had mentioned, and we mentioned this, I think, in one of the gathers in an earlier episode, you talked about an abnormally large, maybe wolf, maybe coyote. Right. So there, the more accurate recounting was like a big black dog. Which That's actually still really good. Which is still really good. And mind you, for Connecticut... Yeah, Connecticut has, by the by, a lot of stories about oh, big yeah. black oh, dogs. Black dog, black shuck, shriker. We've got very rich grim if you will. Yep. But mind you, we have coyotes, yes. no wolves. No wolves. And, uh, yeah, black dogs are just not something we have naturally occurring. So and, and I can tell you, there is not a large population of, like feral Newfoundlands running around Connecticut. So at the end of the episode, folks, uh, after we are, after I hear about their first investigation, uh, and then we're going to do something ourselves tonight, we're going to come back for this episode and record a little bit at the end with some theories. That's always my favorite part. I am making a list of keywords because I want a theory by the end of this. My two keywords for those following at home is commune. Uh, so I don't know a lot of this lore. The first one that jumped out to me that I wrote was commune? Question mark, exclamation point. Yeah, and that the was the second new. one is black dog. Uh, commune and black dog are my two keywords so far uh, for those following at home. All right, so uh, what happened next? So once I found that we're good, these are finalized, we're really doing this, I wanted to set up a phone call with John to get a bit of a high level. You know, what's happening? What's going on? What are we getting into here? You know, 
how how many how many spirits is this <laughs> so i get on the phone and we start talking and i will say one of the first things that immediately jumped out is there's not one but two potential female spirits which we'll get into later we'll get into that in a minute okay uh additionally there were disembodied voices something that i will go into again a little bit later on that i'm calling the intrusive thoughts that was particularly unnerving to me that's going to get discussed heavily in interview because that's multiple people that have gotten that one other interactions disembodied voices and then poltergeist activity in certain buildings the restaurant being the big one. so with all of those bits of activity in mind we had a veritable all-you-can-eat paranormal buffet to prepare for that night so let's compile the lore at this stage okay so let's list out the entities as neatly as possible this is not going to be too neat but let's let's talk so about this. i'll i'll try to condense and like categorize as well as best i can and i'm going to in real time probably give pushback and debate yeah do it and we'll, we're going to walk away with a maybe a list of what our what our theories would be cool okay two girl ghosts so let, let's talk about those first let's go uh one and two so the first one is seen to be a seven-year-old girl in a dress <laughs> okay yeah right rule one yeah so it's a seven-year-old girl in a dress she is mostly seen around the restaurant she'll typically be seen kind of out of your peripheral running around you can see her passing through doorways here's the big one for the folks listening at home poltergeist activity okay it can move things so uh, uh so when when jack says rule number one something that has become a rote for us Rule number one, it's, it's never, never a kid. kid. Uh, that is a rule that we've always lived by. Anytime we hear about a spooky seven-year-old ghost, no, it's not. Folks, I don't want to generalize. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I will this time. You tell me about the ghost of a little kid. I'm going to call it. No, it's not. Nope. All right. So what's number two? So number two, ghost number two is an older female spirit okay. entity what have you uh that has interacted both positively and negatively with ground crews and snowmaking crews outside this one is particularly interesting because it does have a potentially very tragic event that ties to it how recent uh, about 2001 so this is fairly recent this one's relatively recent yes okay do we confirm do we confirm that the tragedy happened? Yes. So okay. I, I pulled up the article. Unfortunately, it was a high school-aged girl from the area. She was riding up the ski lift with her friend. Her friend jumped off the ski lift. She did as well, but her helmet got snagged, and unfortunately, she was hanged on the way up the slope. That's, that's, awful. that's horrible. That's awful. We always want to move very carefully when we're tying up someone who's life was recently with us Absolutely. to folklore we're all about paranormal and but enjoying the adventure but this was a person we're going to address it here because i understand that when we are talking to the people at the lodge they're also probably thinking in terms of the recent tragedy right and that's going to shape how they're perceiving these events so i think it still is important to at least address because it will shape how people are telling their stories possibly absolutely i mean the tragic events like that just as much as weird happenings that you can't explain all 
play into folklore. So, without us then necessarily assuming that this outdoor entity is tied to the 2001 tragedy, so let's... That's not the only one. So, so far we have little girl in the restaurant, yeah, okay. Older girl outside. Older girl outside with positive and negative responses, you said. Yes. What else we got? So, we do also have what I have taken to calling the intrusive thoughts. And multiple members of the staff have reportedly gotten urges that they can plainly define as not their own to do things that would otherwise be potentially harmful. I hate that. I do too. So one of the folks that works on the snowmaking cruise, David's name, has a very remarkable story that he goes over in the interviews. Really? Oh, and you'll you'll hear it shortly. Jeez. I don't want to spoil anything. He's not the only one. It sounds like a horror movie. It, it does a little and bit. And they put a haunted house here. I love it. Yeah. Not, not a haunted house. It's a haunted trail through, like, the woods, right? Oh, yes. even better. You... Oh. So, so Haunting at the Ridge is a phenomenal attraction. We got to actually walk up through it after the interview. And we went up it backwards, but under normal circumstances, you get to take the ski lift up to the top. And then walk your way down the trail. Mm. I'm really excited. I'm. Oh, in the ski lift, that's gonna so much anticipation. Yes. As oh. you're heading up there, you basically get to pass over the attraction, hearing hear the screams <laughs> from underneath. <laughs> oh my! They goodness. knew what they were doing. Love it. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. Okay, so we have, we have not a kid. Yes. We have uh, outdoor woman. Yep. We have the black dog. Yes. And we have an, something that is an entity. You'd also mentioned outdoor poltergeist activity in buildings. Right. So it's not just the restaurant. There's also been movement and shapes reported moving around in some of the outbuildings, like the equipment shed. The shop was another one, like the ski shop. Let's assume for now... Yes, mate? He's, oh. raising, he's raising his hand. Sorry, I was raising my hand because... One of the things mentioned was, in relation to the outbuildings, was you saw shadows. Right. You saw lights and yep. different stuff like that. Shadows, lights. You're talking about uh, literal false motion alarms going off inside of the building. That was the interesting one. That was the very interesting one. So they do. They have a security system, and it will report motion, and you'll get the alarm panels going off. And then we're talking like, yeah, it trips. Authorities get notified, and... There's no, there's nothing. It just popped up as like, yeah, we picked up motion, but now there's nothing there and we can't track it and there's nothing on the cameras. We're getting a series of high strangeness events. Oh, very much so. Which when we have lights, shadows, a large animal entity... I hate to say how much this like this sounds like Skinwalker Ranch in the early that. days. <laughs> so what I will say is we'll call that the entity. Let's generalize that. We'll assume that all of these strange events might be connected by some form of conscious intelligent entity until proven otherwise. Or it could just be a magnet of weird things. The phenomenon. I don't think we have enough proof to go one way or the other. Okay. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you, a little bit of spoilers for me, did you obtain during the interviews anything that leads you to believe one or the other? 
That's that's Jack shaking his head. No, no sorry, I'm shaking those. my head. For the <laughs> listeners, I I am I am shaking my head. No, I. The exasperated I, psych probably broadcasted that to the listeners, anyways. I I think so, but okay. I'm inclined to. I would be slightly, and I mean slightly, inclined to think separate entities, but that's more gut than anything substantive. Separate entities. Uh, you mean the different nonsense happening around the place yes. is by like a small horde of things? Yeah, I would say a collection of about four or five. Like I said, my this is not anything that I've gathered in objective evidence that I could give you a firm argument on. My my gut feels like it might be separate versus something unified, but I'm more than willing to be proven wrong by digging deeper and actually gaining something harder in terms of evidence. Here's where I'm coming from. I'm on my honeymoon. I'm having a great old time. We're on the boardwalk and um, we're at the Abracadabar. I'm having the Pepper's Ghost, which is a fantastic drink. We're finding out that the travel agent didn't book the second half of our trip and it doesn't phase us. That's how chilled out we are. My wife. Why would you tell not, me this? My <laughs> wife was not stressed out that we didn't book the second half of our trip. We just figure it'll get taken care of, and she took care of it while on her run the next morning. After she should have been massively hungover, I had another Pepper's Ghost. Life is good, okay. At that point in time, I've got this wonderful piece of intellectual property. And I'm hearing about how there's 999 happy haunts when the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. Are you are you saying it's like a haunted mansion? I hate you. <laughs> because that's what my life was like at the time. <laughs> no, Jack, I'm sorry. Sometimes... Life can be emotionally abusive. <laughs> this is one of those times. Okay. It's okay. There's going to be one. There will be one investigation where, like, you know, my girlfriend and I are in the Caribbean, and you're running through the woods terrified out of your wits. And then you'll know. And then you'll know. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe next year. Well, so, you went to the, you went to the lodge next, right? Yes. Okay. So next is the actual trip to the lodge. We did have a chance to chat with the restaurant manager, first and foremost. Awesome guy. Yeah? Yes. So he actually is originally from Peru. And while we were waiting for everyone else to kind of get settled and get ready to assemble by the fire pit, he entertained us. He, you know, got us a couple of drinks. We had some very delicious tacos a la carte. And Sounds lovely. Oh, God, it was so good. Um, we wound up not recording in the bar because the sound, you know, the audio was going to be a bit too much for the mic that I brought, but the stories he gave, and I took notes, we should get him on an episode. We should get him on an episode. Uh, were phenomenal. He got to tell us a little bit, and I'm not going to spoil too, too much of it, but he told us some really good, like, native Peruvian supernatural things that happened. Like you know, Bruja and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. And all personal, which 
all very personal. Really cool. You know, when he was casually backpacking across Peru. That's so cool. One of the things I said to him, like, I, I'll admit, as scary as some of those were, I'm jealous. You can't do that here. Yeah. You can't just throw everything you want in your bag and go moving across the country. Well, as we talk about adventure in the great outdoors from time to time. Not like some, that, at least. Something that we have often got caught up on is the lack of right to roam laws. It's a crying shame. In the U.S., in the land of the free, where some of the... When you compare it to so many other nations that accepts and celebrates people's right to roam and the fact that you can meander, you can secure a bag, not mean anyone any harm, and still enjoy the beautiful landscape around you and go on an adventure, that is a damn tragedy and an irony to me. Agreed. 100%. So I would love to pick this gentleman's brain. Then I don't want to spoil anything further. You you deserve to experience that with the same amount of wonder and oh. surprise that we had when we spoke to him. And we'll have a microphone on when the I, next time when I get that opportunity. Yes. So moving out to the fire pit, we got everyone set. We uh, we had a heck of a turnout, man. It was like eight people had all come to share their stories wow let me tell you is like twice over what i thought we would get and can you mention the fact that uh by the way all of them listen to the podcast and all of them listen to the podcast didn't know we had that many people listening i thought it was the three of us in this yeah room. 30 <laughs> downloads that's each of us listening 10 times <laughs> we, um, we joke about our five fans they all work at powder ridge apparently but also also katie up in new york yep thank you katie thank you katie so, what happened next? You you see these you see these folks outside, and you have a chance to sit down with them. Right. My understanding is that you got to record this by the bonfire, right? You bet we did. Okay, I brought my better suited to outdoors mic, set it up right in between everybody, and we got to kind of go around and do a round robin where folks got to relay their stories. Who's outdoors mic? My outdoor mic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have things, I have stuff, but uh, so we, uh, I've, I've got the audio here for you right now if you want to give it a listen. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we'll, we'll give it a listen and then we'll talk about it. Sounds like a plan. And to start off, I just wanted to say thank you guys. Uh, just introduce myself really quick for those that I didn't get to say hi to. I'm Jack, I'm half of Haunt and Gather, but unfortunately couldn't be here this evening. Uh, but my brother Matt is here to uh, kind of fill in and help out. Just again, a big thank you to you guys. A big thank you to Powder Ridge for letting us come out here and do this. Uh, I do have one just technical liability note, just as a quick round robin, just like on the airplane, you know, safety seats over the wing. Is everybody cool with us recording you guys, and are we good to use your stories in the podcast? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Awesome. You guys are great. That's why we came. Uh, but all right, then, I guess without further ado... Let's dive into the real reason why we're here sitting around the fire tonight, and uh, why don't we uh, go ahead and open up with you, sir. Introduce yourself and uh, crack off your top top one to two. All right, so my name is TJ Hummel. Uh, I've been working here for, this is my fourth year now, that I believe. Uh, I've worked with the company for longer than that, but here for um, I had just started uh, snowmaking about two years ago, and... My first ever paranormal experience, I was walking down uh, Dragon's Back, and me and my partner had split off. He was going to go down the rest of the middle field, and I was going to go down, I believe, someone helped me clarify, Gunpowder Run behind 
top of the bunny hill. So I was going down Gunpowder Run, and it was just me and my headlamp. I had nothing else, nobody, nobody around, and you know it's the middle of the winter, so it's slippery. I didn't, I didn't have my clampons yet for my boots, and so I slipped, but I didn't quite fall. I, I kind of caught myself, and like as my heart was like racing, you know, adrenaline, you almost fell. Uh, someone from me to like two feet away, maybe it was like almost. It kind of sounded like it was right in my ear, but somebody had whispered, "Are you okay?" And I, I shine my flashlight to the highest potential that it could shine. I looked around, nothing behind me, nothing 360. So I'm just like, you know, I've heard other coworkers have experiences. So I'm just gonna say, I said thank you, I'm okay. And I came down the mountain, finished my snowmaking run, came to the break room, and I had told some of the people who are sitting around the fire tonight about my experience, and they then shared their own personal experiences, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who had something happen to them while they were out there. So, just kind of a kind of a question, I guess. What did the voice sound like? Did it was it just like a whisper, or was it? It was. If I had to, if I had to, put a definite, it was just like a, like a male monotone, like, "Are you okay?" And it was just me. So, I didn't know what to think, and my first instinct was, "Thanks, I'm okay." Came down, and like ever since, it's just been just wild to think about. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's your first experience. Uh, I'm imagining not the last. It's, it definitely hasn't been the last, but that's been the best one. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story. Of course. I'm sure we've of got course. several more to go through. Um, my name is Maria Cipriano. I've been here for three or four years. I've been with both companies for a while. And my story, like, isn't that great but this happened to me a few weeks ago I work in the rental building and other people have heard stuff and seen stuff in there during the day and at night but I was in there by myself and I was we've been getting all the winter equipment stuff ready for the season and everything and I was standing at the counter so the room the building is broken up into two rooms basically one of them has lockers in it and the other one has all the ski equipment in it and then there's a dock that we built for all the customers i could have sworn i saw someone run down the aisle where the skis are in between the dock and all the skis and snowboards and boots and i think i told one person about it but being in there like in that room by myself i kind of freaked me out because i've heard everybody talk about everything especially outside during snow making he said stuff about the rental building um it just freaked me out out a little bit i know ghosts are real like i've watched ghost hunters i've listened to a couple episodes of your podcast so i'm not um i'm not a non-believer i guess but it's just weird but that's the only experience that i've personally had I guess did the did the silhouette make any noise when you saw it? Like was it kind of like footsteps or was it just sort of a silent just off it went and 
it was kind of a silent, um, it just like ran, like it looked like somebody running, I, I didn't hear anything, I also had my AirPods in, so I couldn't hear anything oh, anyways, so, yeah, it just ran by, but it didn't run by me, it just like, it ran down the aisle. That's, that had to be pretty jarring, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I took my AirPods out and it took me a second. I'm like, I just really like, did this just happen? It, yeah. And that was your first experience? Yeah, that was my first personal experience gotcha. here. Gotcha. Then thank you for uh, thank you for sharing your story with us. Of course. Uh, my name is Chris. Uh, I work I work at the restaurant and uh, I've been working for like almost six years. Um, one night I was just, it was a Sunday night and I was closing by myself and there's a sink that you, if you stand on it, I was washing my hands, washing everything. I looked up and you could see the little door or the entrance between the staircase and that's where the bathrooms are. I saw a figure, a small figure run from the front towards the women's bathroom and I just I don't know why I looked up and I just saw that and I just like freaked out and I just like didn't turn anything off and I just ran out the building didn't put the alarm off nothing and I, the whole time that I'm running to my car I'm just keep looking back um, ever since every time we locked the, uh, we locked the building we go into the first floor after we we're done locking everything, we hear steps on the second floor running. Mind you, at this time, there's nobody in that building but just me and the person closing. So that happened three times, like two times, two days in a row, and then the third time it was like the week after. So that like that was like pretty freaky. That's one of the many stories, but yeah. so I, I know a lot of these have popped up recently. I guess how how far do some of your guys' stories go back? Mine goes by like two years. Uh, Mine yeah. was like, I want to say two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half. Mine was probably two and a half. Come winter. Gotcha. I've got one from now, and then you know, 20, 30 years ago. We're not talking a, a particularly recent development. It just got a little bit more active than usual recently. No, no, no. It's been going on forever. Gotcha. Because yeah, there was dudes talking when I was 19. There was guys talking about it when they were, you know, way back when. So that, yeah, had to reach back. You're talking to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's been going on for a hot minute. We'll definitely want to pick your brain about a few of those when we get when we get over there. Yeah. But, uh, Chris, thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. How's it going? My name's Patrick. I've been here going on eight. This will be my eighth winter, so seven years. So, my story. I have two stories. They're pretty quick. The first one relates to Chris's. So, I want to say two winters ago, there was like eight of us here. We were doing snow, snow removal during a snowstorm. It had to be like 11 o'clock at night. And I was in, so there's day rooms all around us. So you have the restaurant, you have day rooms, rest or day rooms. So I was over there by rentals and I think room five. 
everyone else, all seven of the other people were in room one. And I was sitting there on my phone alone, AirPods in, listening to music. And my friend comes in the room and he goes, did you just run by our room? And I said, no. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, somebody just ran by room one. Like, they just saw somebody, like, sprint by the room. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I've been sitting here the whole time. So, there's obviously definitely something here. I've heard in past stories that Chris has seen a little girl in the restaurant. So, maybe it was that. Maybe, I don't know. But, it was creepy. And then the second story was last week, I think. Maybe Thursday, I was up, up in the woods um, fixing a bridge. And I had my AirPods on playing music, soft. And uh, I just hear out of nowhere, hey, are you fixing the bridge? And I'm like, what? Who's there? And they're just like, are you fixing the bridge? And I'm like, yeah, who, like, who is that? And I paused what I was doing and I walked around and there's nobody there. Like, there's no one around me at all. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just like fixing the bridge. So probably the ghost, the girl that haunts up there. I'm not really sure, but it's creepy. Just to clarify, you didn't have any, like, radio equipment? You guys don't have, like, walkie-talkies or anything? I had walkie-talkies, but um, I could tell, like, you could tell when the walkie goes off because it, it makes, like, a little uh, like chirp at the end. Yeah. Like a screech. I don't but you could tell, I could tell that somebody was near me. Okay. Like, it wasn't a walkie-talkie. Like, somebody was there, but there was obviously, like he said, there was nobody there. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was creepy. And then, uh, I guess the voice, uh, would you, how would you kind of characterize what the voice sounded like? So, opposite of him, it was actually a female, and I thought, it's, it sounded like one of the ladies that works on the, on the haunted trail, uh, but she wasn't even there that day. So. Gotcha. It was like a young female's voice. The little girls come up. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, the little girls come up in conversation a couple of times, both leading up to this and kind of as we sat. So, so, just to tee off that real quick, um, he said he's seen the little girl. Which, if you go back in the many years, like I think it was 2001 in January, what happened in, during that time, it's different than that girl. Gotcha. Two different girls. So okay, that one's so like a. That one's like a seven-year-old, and this one is was a in high school teenager. Yeah. teenager. Gotcha. Okay, so we're we're talking about multiple yeah multiple different little girls in this instance. Yeah, yeah. There's two different little girls. There's a girl in the restaurant that is like very young, and she wears I think like a dress, and then there's just the girl up there. So, gotcha. Yeah. So would All you right. say both of them have been like fairly well? Like, is that fairly well seen, or is one? more recent than the other So one. I haven't seen the girl in the restaurant, but the, that story of snow removal happened like two years ago, and then me and Dave were making snow. That happened, I think I've been making snow for four years now, so that, that was like the first year I made snow, so it's been gotcha. a while. Gotcha. Yeah, well, and then we saw, me and another dude who used to work here one morning saw, it was a version of the little girl we had I wish I could find a fucking picture we had pictures of it I've seen um, oh, but it was like it was she looked elongated and uh, she had a little dress on but it was it was like you could tell it was like the essence of the same 
little girl, but it was like, uh, like you know, like like you elongate a cartoon character kind of. Yeah. But anyway, like Almost dude like was looking down at it, and he yells back, and he's like, "Do you yeah. see her?" And I look, and I saw her, and I'm looking, and and, and he looking, he was quick enough to get a picture of her, and got a couple pictures of her, and sent it to me. And I, used to, I forever I had to. I'll look for it some more. I was looking for it a while back, and, and I can't find it. But um, yeah, there was a picture of it for a while. But anyway, like a, like a, like a dark, see-through kind of apparition. You know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't. Yep. It wasn't like a defining person. It was almost thing. more like I've a seen, haze. I've seen ones before. There, yeah, like a like a dark haze, like a shadow. Okay. You know, like I've seen ones that look like people before, but this this was like a yeah, it was like a shadow. Yeah, I don't know, man. Little girls right now. Getting, uh, I guess, getting to that. Did you uh, want to go ahead and launch into uh, a couple? Yeah. Um. Well, there's that one, uh, Dave. Um, I, I've worked here on and off for a long time. Like I worked here when I was, uh, I don't know, my late teens, early twenties, and, and then, uh, yeah, and then moved on to do other things, and, and then ended up back here uh, six years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like I said, that like you know, I had I've had countless amounts of times. Like I like I when I came back, I knew the place was haunted. Like it was it was a well known thing way back when I was younger that the place was haunted. And so like since, since I've been back, there's been like countless amounts of times just being out on the hill with you know, like either like like seeing like seeing the girl that was that was like probably the paramount of the most recent. Um, countless amounts of times that like you know you just like you hear people walking around the woods. Or you just feel like the people, you know, someone, like you know somebody's there looking at you. Um, all those kinds of things are the, the craziest thing that ever happened to me. And, and I, I've, I've talked with several other people that have worked here and they've had the same kind of thing happen, which is like a way more like dark, wicked thing. And it happens like you'll be out there on the hill and I had it, I was like, I don't know, in my 20, like early 20s and I'm walking down this trail out here and uh, I was looking in, in the, one of the towers up above, up in front of me, we used to have these like big stick guns that came off the top of the, uh, the lift towers. And there was a huge, they used to get these huge icicles on it. So there was this huge icicle, you know, weighed a couple hundred pounds, it was like 10, 12 feet long. And um, I'm walking down past it and there's like this, in my head, there's like, you know, like that, like your inner voice, you know, was in my head, like telling me to like, try, like I was having to do everything I could. So it was telling me to walk underneath the icicle. And I was having to do everything I could to continue walking down this trail on the path that I was on and not veer off to walk underneath this icicle. And it was like, it was like I was fighting. It was, it was the strangest thing I've ever had happen in my life. And, and like, there's a couple of people I know that have worked here that had the same kind of thing happen where like, you end up trying to like fight your body. Like it's like something's trying to make you do something and you're like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna keep doing this. And um, and it sounds fucking crazy. But anyway, I get even with the, sure as shit, get even with that icicle and I hear thunk and it, and it drops down and buries itself in the snow. You know, and it would have split me in half, you know, but it was like, it was the craziest thing. Like, you know, and I had heard all, up until that point, I had heard all the stories and like and I felt shit like, looking at me when I've been out there and, and, and heard footsteps and all kinds of crazy stuff, but like I hadn't really actually had anything really directly fuck with me, you know, like come and, and try and mess with my world. 
and that really tried to mess like I, that was the only that was probably one of the few times in my life that I've had like some kind of whatever it is really try and directly target me it was kind of it was weird you know it, it was really weird and I've heard several there's several other people that I know that have worked here that have said the same kind of thing without me ever telling them that story they start telling the story like I had the weirdest thing happen on the hill I was out there and it was like I was like something was trying to make me go where I didn't want to go and I was having to fight it or make me do something like make me grab something I didn't want to grab and I was having to fight my hand away from doing it and like I'd hear all these stories and then I you know obviously tell them this one and, and um yeah, there's some weird shit that goes on out there. I don't know. So I've, I've never personally experienced that, but there there are definitely plenty of stories out there about that kind of phenomenon. Uh, folks going into places where there's confirmed types of activity, and they do, they, they get this kind of thought or urge that's not their own, and it wants them to go do something. And it can be as simple as go into a room, or even more kind of insidiously walk under an icicle. Um, yeah, or, or grab something that you know you know you shouldn't grab, or what? Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it tends to happen around here. And I mean, not from personal experience, but it's it, it is. It's kind of like intrusive thoughts, but they're not your intrusive thoughts. Yeah, and it actually it makes me wonder if like like the girl that ended up getting hung on the lip, like it makes me wonder if something didn't get you know like that's how she ended you know like ended up coming out. Yeah, just yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Hopefully we don't run into any of that tonight. Yeah, you never can <laughs> tell. But awesome. Well, thank you, Dave, for uh, yeah. sharing your story with us. Why don't we move, uh, move around the circle? Hi, um, my name's John. Um, I've been working here for eight years. Um, but, you know, I always like to say that I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I, you know, I don't really like to feed into this, nor do I, like, necessarily know if I am fully on board with you know the idea of this stuff but you know recently my opinions have been changing um, you know over the years you know people who have been working here have told me stories about stuff um, happening or seeing shadow people on the mountain or you know seeing a big black dog you know watching them um, you know seeing it at the same time so I guess I'm gonna take my opportunity to tell a little bit of like when my story or my my opinion kind of changed, and then, um, you know, kind of some of the other people who couldn't be here with us tonight and, you know, explain some of the other phenomena that's happened over the years. Um, so, you know, it was last year um, I got to do snowmaking once I, you know, started working here full time. Um, and we typically would move snow guns around the mountain with um, the snowcat, um, but from time to time we would use a bobcat during the early season when there's still uh, ground on, that we can reach. So um, one night we're, we're moving snow guns around with one of the bobcats and after we're finished, you know, placing the guns where we need to put them, we have to walk it down the mountain. And um, being dark and early season, there's a lot of mud on the mountain. So me um, and two other coworkers walked the bobcat down, one in the bobcat driving and the other two of us kind of guiding it down the mountain. And um, there's an access road off to the, you know, if you're looking up the hill, it's to the right. If you're skiing down the hill, it skiers left of the mountain. And, um, you know, we're chugging along, we're, we're making it down the, the hill, and all of a sudden my, um, 
you know, we hear this like sound, you know, right there, and it sounded like radio chatter or like an animatronic from like a Halloween store. It was just, it was weird. It made the the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and you know, it kind of caught me off guard. And um, you know, immediately, you know, I kind of went back to all the stories I've been told, and you know, from coworkers about you know stuff happening on the mountain or hearing things or seeing stuff, and you know. I immediately was like, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to get down to the, the bottom. But my coworker driving the Bobcat stops the Bobcat and he opens the door and he's like, did you guys, is there a radio in here? You know, and he's like looking around on the ground and I don't have a radio on me. And my other coworker outside doesn't have a radio on him. And the guy driving the Bobcat obviously doesn't have one. And he's looking around and I was like, Jordan, just close the door. We'll talk about it at the bottom of the mountain. Um, and, um, we, we make make it down to the bottom and Jordan's like what and I was like oh, you know uh, it, it didn't sound right like we're not we're not gonna talk about it you know and um, as soon as we start talking about it our other friend and co-worker Nichols is like oh my god and we're like what Nichols and he runs into the shop and he's like I heard something I heard something you know like and Nichols has had some experiences with you know shadow people and so is Jordan up on the mountain so you know what it was on the access road i have no clue but um i know me and and patrick were talking about it a couple days ago because um, i had to drive up um the quad in the middle uh like seven o'clock to go um you know help at the top of one when we were um, offloading some halloween actors and you know the access road for me i always feel like i'm being watched or you know it just you know it doesn't feel right and you know you guys listening to the podcast can't see this but a lot of the people sitting around the fire are also shaking their head in agreement you know that it's just a weird you know kind of spot you know that i've had experiences dave patty um you know everybody's kind of you know felt stuff over there so you know that's kind of you know my one real story and then um you know later in that season we're making snow and you know, being in southern New England, you know, temperatures don't always get super, super cold, but, you know, every so often we get blessed with some some uh, really cold days, and, you know, this was one day that it was um, it was super cold. It, I think the, the low was negative one or negative two degrees, so it's, it's super cold outside, and me and um, my coworker Sebi um, are walking down the mountain, and we split up, and Sebi's like, I'm going to take 747 and uh, Dragon's Back, which is, you know, kind of a you know more active area and you know people feel watched over there as well and i felt it and that's where tj had his experience um, that's where the thing hit was yeah, yeah yeah and that's where a lot of people you know feel the you know the voices talking to them and stuff and um I, i'm walking down the hill to go turn on some guns for startup on uh shoot which is also another you know active zone um and I'm, you know, AirPods in, you know, doing my thing. And Sebi comes up and grabs me on the shoulder and, and freaks freaks me out real good. And he's pale white. And he's like, dude, like, I, someone laughed at me when I fell on the mountain. You know, and he's walking down and slipped. And he, he heard a, a little girl, he said. It sounded like um, giggling in his ear. Um, and, you know, he just kind of kept moving down the mountain. And, um, you know, some people, you know, think it's just me being me and um you know maybe it was a little bit of what dave talked about but um you know not more than 10 minutes after that we're turning on the last gun of the night and um i'm standing there talking to my co-worker and i'm like i'm like you should you know i wonder what would happen if you stuck your your tongue to the the metal of the snow gun and um 
He's like, no, I would never do that. And before I could even think about it, I was attached to the snow gun by my tongue on the to on the mountain, um, you know, fully attached and not like just the tip of my tongue, like my full tongue was, you know, sealed to the snow gun and I couldn't get it off. And Sebi had to run down the mountain and get me water, to, you know, kind of de-ice myself. And, you know, I couldn't taste for a couple weeks. Um, but, you know, a lot of people like to blame it on just me being me and, you know, my, my child curiosity like um, behavior um, but you know who knows maybe it was you know the voices in my head um, you know telling me to you know touch my tongue to the snow gun but um, you know it, who knows thank you John for sharing your experiences too um, one thing that Ben and I quickly came to the conclusion of um, when we first kind of got to go ahead to come here but even before that started hearing the stories there is so much more here than we could ever hope to cover in a single night. Um, you guys have experiences going back, some of you months, some of you years, some of you decades. Um, there is a ton to kind of dig into and try to understand and, uh, and see. And we're really hoping that kind of time and you know, permission happening. Uh, we would love to come back and do a follow up, hear more of your guys' stories, uh, do another kind of around the campfire like this if you guys enjoyed it. At this point, we'll uh, go ahead and wind this part down. I guess we have some uh, some trails to go and explore. Some of these uh, hot spots you guys have pointed out, anyone that's willing to uh, come out with us and show us around, we would love to kind of get boots on the ground and see see where the weird happens. So again, uh, thank you guys, and a huge thank you again to Powder Ridge for letting us come out and do this. Uh, I speak for both of us when I say that we are eager to come out and do it again and hang out with you guys and hear some more of your experiences. So Ben, what'd you think? Oh my, uh, I made a list. I, I took a <laughs> lot of notes. There's a lot going on here, right? There's a lot going on here. My keyword list has expanded. I had com uh, uh, commune. Yep. Little girl. Yep. Black dog. Compulsion. Mimicry. Runner. Shadow people artificial voice i really want to get into the intrusive thoughts part of it but all good things in due time so weirdly enough the intrusive thought part is the most boring to me huh i'm it it has a lot of ramification it does have a lot of ramifications i am so excited about some of the other stuff so so i i took notes we, we can go through here first of all i loved the sound of the fire that made it. That was cool. The fire pit was their idea, and I have to say, perfect. That was really, awesome touch. We're gonna keep that in the. We're gonna keep that in the future. I'm just saying. So we first heard from TJ, who mentioned Dragon's Back. Dragon's Back comes up. That's a trail. Right. So you're gonna hear a couple of weird names. Those are all different ski slopes at the at the resort. Dragon's Back had a lot of stuff happening. Yes. So I know that. Um, TJ mentioned a voice saying, are you okay? And right. Something a little kind, I guess. Patrick, and, and, and TJ was like, yes, thank you for asking. Patrick later on talks about the voice with working on the bridge, I believe. Right. The curiosity of like, hey, are you fixing the bridge? So what's interesting, and this is where folklore gets started. 
I don't really see a lot of connection between the 2001 tragedy and this voice. I feel like that's emergent folklore where there is a strange disembodied voice and people want to connect it to something. I'll tell you, the vibe that I get, I feel like a lot of this predates that tragedy. It really seems to. It really seems to. Also, the fact that other times people get like giggling, like a little girl giggling. But it was that misfortune. The person slipped, and as they're slipping, they heard the giggling. Yeah, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like fairy tale logic this of if it's something bad, it's the little girl. If it's something, you know, neutral. Oh, it's, I just meant that like you're getting laughed at. I think you're getting its true colors at different times, right? Okay. You're getting a voice that's curious and is trying to form connections. But one of the most common things that I have encountered when you have an intelligent non-human being is it wants to get you to connect to it what are you doing are you okay those are all forms of forming connections to a thing that wants you to interact which will make you more vulnerable to phenomenon later on that's just me i know i run a little bit more uh cautious than a lot of people but to me just because of disembodied voice isn't outwardly being mean the first sentence it says doesn't mean maybe it's my friend that's a very um, good point also we had mimicry also happening with one of patrick's stories because he said it sounded like one of the other women that who worked stood there. out to me too that it was a familiar voice that wasn't it was a high school student it was it was a familiar voice to me that he heard so again the connection to the 2001 that that's nothing to me i think it says a lot that it took the voice of a familiar person, the mimicry, which we've encountered before. Right? That's not our first go around with mimicry. That's intelligent stuff. So so that was TJ and some of Patrick's stories. Maria, Maria said her story wasn't that great. I disagree. Maria, your story was fine. Uh, the human figure running, that excited you, Matt. Yeah, that did. And it kind of falls into, we were doing a little bit of ghost theory talk while we were listening yeah. to the... We hit pause a lot. Yeah, we did hit pause a lot with that recording. And we're not going to get, I'm not going to get too far into it. Okay. Because it can very much be its own rant or theory craft video down the line. It's very clear we're going to have at least two minisodes or one very long episode talking about the our theories of like ghostology and how these things operate. Mm-hmm. But running is something that you've noticed a couple times. And it's kind of the idea between the runner versus the watcher style ghost or apparition. In that the energy seems different, or at least the intent seems different for each of them. Because you have one that's moving from point A to point B very rapidly. And you have one that's very much watching you until you see it or you don't see it at all. And they seem, I don't know, the energy seems a little different to it. You're saying it's static. Kind of... It's either static or it's really trying to get somewhere quick, immediately. Quickly. I think that those two things can rectify with each other. They, I is, think those can don't... exist in the same place. But I also believe that from the examples we at least have experienced and kind of taking from the idea of what they saw, especially with that one entity that was like, oh, hey, did you run by our room? Like, very quickly, very rapidly moving by, but very much it's a person. I don't know. 
I think that if something has to move through our physical space, it wants to do it as quickly as possible right. mm, because little, it's vulnerable to being seen. As small of a ripple as it can make. My my theory has been based on some other things we've talked about. My theory is that the runner and the watcher is the same thing. Yes. But it really wants to hold still and not draw attention. Right. And if it has to move through physical space and is going to be vul- like visible by while doing so. It's decisive about it. It's moving quick. There's intent. Oh, and, which is different than something you pointed out, which has also been in some, some non-verified evidence we've received in other places is when something's trying to quickly move up to you and make sounds and like, you know, here I come, I'm spooky! Yeah. Which is a very different kind of... This is something getting away from, from Maria. Right, this is not going toward you with the intent of either attack or scaring. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, no, they see me. Oh, 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 get away. Yeah. So Chris at the restaurant, and again, thank you, Chris, for all the help to the team. Uh, yeah. Um, Chris so, and John, really. So he talked about... A, a small figure and that he got the heck out of there when he saw the small figure in the restaurant the small figure being supposedly the girl the little girl but i like chris's instinct which is he sees something small in the corner of his eye and he got out of there which all of us kind of clocked that what about a little girl should be so alarming and fear inducing that your first thought is get the heck out which ties me back to rule number one Rule number one, it's never a kid. Now, it can be if I work in a restaurant where there's occasionally the ghost of a little girl and I'm there after closing, I'm going to know as soon as I see something small, I'm having a paranormal experience. Right. At best, that's what's happening. At best, oh no, it's the little thing. That means that there's a paranormal experience. I don't want this. Yeah. But he's a, this guy's a veteran of the paranormal, you're telling me. It's not his first go around with this. I and think it's far from the scariest. He's got instinct. And if this thing's appearing when I'm alone, I don't want to be there. Right. This little Why girl, does it only pop up when it's only me? I don't... I really don't like the, the little girl. No. I don't like that. No. Um, not a fan. And there seems to be a lot more fear around that one. Yeah. Right. right. There's a lot less apprehension around anything else that goes on than there is with that little Whatever girl. encounters you outside, whatever it is up to, right... And I, I do think that there's a link between the compulsion and the voice. I think so, asking too. Asking questions. I think whether you're hearing it audibly or in your head. Um, are you okay? Did you fall? Are you working on the bridge? Do you want to lick that machine? Right. It's not necessarily concern. It's more like, curiosity. Okay, what you do? Yeah. So that, But the little girl seems to be a different thing. Yes. It doesn't seem to have that cunning. There is an entity in that building that just is no good news. Uh, which brings us to actually Dave. Dave, first of all, you gotta follow up and get that picture. I'm so curious about that. I do. I've got his number. I need to text him back and get the pictures. But Dave talks about it's the little girl, but elongated? Right. What's happening there? So it was the little girl, but its limbs got longer again. I get like witch from Left for Dead vibes. Oh from man! How we describe like, it? Yeah, I just I get all sorts of bad body horror. It's That's not a not human. Not great. Uh, not a little girl. It, it's it's wearing the skin of a thing that it saw that it knew would keep people at ease, and then just this like 
yeah, it like just shows you its true form. Executed on it in the most horrifying way possible. Yeah, I hate that. Um, so Dave, my understanding is the groundskeeper. Yeah, he's one of the most senior members of the snowmaking crew that's out there. Okay, uh, he's been around the block more than a few times. And his impression is that the phenomenon here is old. It's been here. At least as he's been hearing stories at least as long as he's joined up and possibly a little bit before. It did sound like he had been hearing it from the people who had been working there prior to him right. even joining. So this is not, from the sounds of it, the phenomena is not horribly new. Hmm. It's been It's been around a while. So let's talk about... Um, while we're at Dave's stories, the um, the compulsions, right? Those so excited you. What what I what I call the intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And you have the two most notable instances, which were Dave and John walking under the icicle, licking the snowmaking machine. Now, this is not the first incident that we have heard about regarding something like this, but I'd say it's the most immediate, closest we've been to it. Uh, it's something that I'm at least mildly concerned about as we hopefully continue investigations into this place. I'm I'm always fascinated that because by some as someone who has a more obsessive personality type, I understand compulsions pretty well. And so typically I disregard that, right? Tip, typically out of hand when someone's like, yeah, there was this thing. And I was like, wouldn't that be a horrible way to die? And this weird part of me was like, what if I did that? Like, like, what if I licked the snow machine? What if I stood under the icicle? I get that, right? Because that's that's not even, like, a an ideation. That is, like, a... It's such an unpleasant thought. You can't help, like, like a your tongue against a cavity. You're like, wow, You wow. can't help but futz with it. Right. And, and so I think po, Edgar Allan Poe called that the imp of the perverse that rides our back. Right, steering us towards these things. That's such a wonderful term. The imp of the perverse. So, uh, well, it might be particularly prescient here. Is just all I'll say to that. What's interesting about that is when so many people talk about it in the same place, then I'm like, okay, something. There's going there's on. actually something maybe going on here. When it's like, oh yeah, you got the compulsions too. I'm sorry, I've seen a horror movie or two in my day. I'm just saying, if enough people are like, oh, you got you got the Dragonback Mountain Trail compulsions. Like the the intrusive thoughts. Like that's that's crazy. That's wild. So um I will I will I will give some credence to that. People are hearing disembodied voices and getting strange inklings up yes. in the New England trails. Yo, <laughs> it sounds like it's been going. <laughs> when you put it that way, that's not the first we've heard about any story like that. No, I'll also talk. Uh, I think the last one that I had for my note was uh, John. John is a skeptic. Hey! hey, we do enjoy that. Always, always happy to have a a, a skeptic who's a skeptic. But there was that one time. The um, best story. Sounds like he's. It sounds like he's on a journey of discovery, and John, um, I hope I hope you're you're in for quite a journey, um, because I think curiosity takes people very far. John, John sounded like a very curious and open-minded individual who really wants to see the evidence. I love that. He talked about the black dog. The black dog fascinates me for reasons I think at the end of the episode it's more abstract folklore. 
it won't surprise anyone. I'm interested in what it's doing here. We can do some more theory crafting a bit later. But he talked about one of my favorite parts here, that there were, besides shadow people up on the mountain, that he heard, it sounded like an artificial mechanical almost like a halloween animatronic right so a picture like, oh, really strange voice yes. and that is another mark of mimicry mimicry phenomenon for things that you find in things like skinwalker lore which is this this tinny artificial sound i've heard it before someone you know, you I don't know if it's tied to that phenomenon, but right. I've heard, I've been in the woods and heard artificial sounding things out in the bush, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> that's not good. That I, doesn't belong. I want you to sound like you're from nature at the very least. If you sound like a speaking spell while I'm in the middle of nowhere, I super <laughs> really hate that. <laughs> so I think that we've got a really interesting platter, and I can I think that the categories that they've used are pretty good. It seems like their categories are threefold. Category one, little girl in the restaurant, is bad news and is not a girl. Yep. Category number two is that there is a presence in the wilderness that seems to have some direct link to your thinking or what you're hearing. Intelligent, interactive and curious curious can impose on your thoughts i was about to say suggestive suggestive very good word which if we want to talk to about lore and in, in in north american lore that reminded me of a wendigo right which is another thing that they apparently featured in the you in know the haunted trail you know yep. so uh playing along playing in the space of the haunted house which used some first nation folklore might have might have kicked up the lore by invoking the lore that's what it sounded like to me but it sounds like this one is an older phenomenon that predates the haunted house the final one is the skinwalker stuff that might have come since the haunted house but again a lot of these are within two and a half years which it does this go to to three halloweens ago I believe this goes to last halloween specifically because they were running the haunted trail at least to my knowledge prior to them installing this section, of, section the of it part of the trail but they've introduced now as of last year a so actual skinwalker section a little bit of background as of last year they were able to partner up with a company that does this professionally yeah. and up the production value and that's when this particular segment was introduced that's really cool and from what i know it's been kind of an eerie thing for the crew that works at powder ridge no one feels good walking through from that the section time that of the they trail. started it nobody enjoys walking through that part of it and i'll say the only part of it where i felt a little bit kind of uneasy oh i think we have a segue here you'd mentioned on the recording that y'all then went on the trail yes so we wound up going on the trail uh the crowd was a little bit too big for me to really turn on the gopro and get a ton of footage for but we had two very notable instances of things that happened, and okay. it was just coming up out of that area toward the spot that they called the chapel. You'll see it when we go. It, Is that one that you photographed? That would be the one that I photographed, yeah. Okay. So we wound up, we were walking up the hill, which is the reverse. The trail takes you up and then takes you down the hill. You go up the lift, and then you walk down through the haunted Correct. trail yes. to get back to ground. So I love that. Our, our exploration, we just walked up it in reverse. So we're heading up past that area. 
Yeah, John won't even use the term skinwalker when he's there. Yeah, smart. They, smart man. They use a completely different term. What term do they use? Uh, flesh pedestrians. Flesh pedestrians. <laughs> I feel like we have our episode name. <laughs> I love it. So, when you're getting up from the flesh pedestrians area, to not bring some of that juju our way, mm. uh, you're heading up, we're heading up the hill, and we do indeed hear a disembodied giggle. Now, we had girls with us, but all of us were kind of like walking, listening, there were a few murmured conversations, and then just a very jarring giggle. A giggle? That about five or six of us all heard toward the back of the group, and caused us to stop and look around. And we rapidly came to the conclusion that, like, nope, that was none of us. And everyone's like, ha ha, we told ya. That is fascinating, because... This, that came up in the story so many times. Right. The and giggle. I mean, my first thought was like, okay, maybe something was on. Maybe there was a speaker going. Because they did mention that, you know, hey, by the way, you know, the lights and the other stuff, that's part of the professional, you right. know, kind of development. They've got lights, thing. they've got speakers, they've got everything going. And I'm like, okay, maybe a part of the attraction activated unexpectedly. No. There's no no giggling on the tracks or anything for that part of the uh, part of the trail. It was completely out of place. So that was fun. <laughs> we continued up to the top, and we make our way down, and we head down that service road where John told the story about the bobcat, that skid steer, where they heard the uh, the radio voice. Uh-huh. Uh, we've gotten really not much on EMF, not much on night vision, a couple of like weird anomalous spikes, but. Nothing that could be replicated, which is weird unto itself. You're in the middle of the woods. But we wind up coming back down, and we're heading toward the lodge, and we pass these gazebos. I didn't have my EMF out at the time, but one of the other guys, his dad did a bunch of ghost hunting, and he brought a ton of kit with him. And he did. And so we get back to the lodge, and he goes, hey, were you doing EMF readings by the gazebos? And I'm like, no, I didn't have mine out. What'd you get? Yeah. And so he said, yeah, I was rocking about a 2.7 when I was walking past the gazebos. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Let me go back and check. So I go and I sweep the gazebos. And man, yeah, a lot of unshielded wiring. There was EMF all over the place. Like these guys heard the alarm going off on my EMF from back at the lodge. But um, but that that's here nor there. But high EMF coming right off the gazebos. And as I'm doing that sweep, I hear a whistle coming back from the service road from the direction that we came. And it was jarring enough that, and these guys saw me do it, but they see me stop, immediately tuck the EMF back into my coat pocket, and I flip my night vision down, and I'm sweeping the tree line. Like, wait a minute, I didn't think we left anyone behind. We had everybody there. Right. Who did that? And I, I got nothing. There was nobody in the tree lander. If they were hiding, they were doing really well. And I will give my context to this. So by this point, we're back at the restaurant. Right. The majority of the group the are, restaurant at the fire pit. People are leaving. I'm with John. We're kind of talking the last little bit. You're walking around now. Yeah, I at went the back to vet that. I was even kind of looking your way because I'm like, Hey, come on. Jack, we got to get going. Like, we're we're an hour past where we thought, like, this was awesome, but we're like an hour past where we thought we were yeah, going to be Yeah, it's late. Gone. We have work in the morning. Yeah. So I get back, and they were like, hey, why'd you whistle? And I'm like, that wasn't me. 
and they're like, oh, like they realized, oh yeah, we saw you stop, kind of look back the way we came, flip your night vision down and look around. I'm like, yeah, that, that wasn't me. That came from the woods. That was when I got the clarification from him that, yeah, that 2.7 wasn't near the gazebos. It was across the road from the gazebos. And I got nothing. So there's just a, a minor... An anomalous, moderate EMF reading on the opposite side of the road from those gazebos that I could not replicate. And while I was trying to, uh, disembodied whistle coming from the woods. The whistle, that's something. So was this a high-pitched whistle? Was this like a tinny-sounding whistle? It was, it was a, I suck at whistling. It was like a high-pitched whistle of like, hey, getting your attention. Someone making it with their mouth. That's something. Like whistling for like a dog or whistling. Yeah, for like a... hey, come here. Or... Yeah. Hmm. I've got thoughts on that, but I'm going to for now keep them to myself. That's I'm fair. I'm looking at some notes. There, I, I, I'm already putting some theories together. My, my head's going in that direction. So, I think the next play is our plan is to tonight go back. I get to see this place for the first time. Heck yeah. We're going to go through the haunted house while it's turned on. Oh, we're, we're, we're just going, going through, through the attraction. Through the attractions are there. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. And that'll give me a lay of the land also, which I'm looking forward to. Then afterwards, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the haunted house. And also, we're going to give our theories. Bit of maybe. theory crafting. Sounds like a plan. Let's go. Sounds great. Cool. All right, so that was fun. I am tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired too. It was uh, it was a good time. It was a late time. We we definitely went late for maximum spooky factor. Mm-hmm. And we we weren't in a hurry to leave either. No, there was a lot of cool ground to cover, a lot to see. Ben, it was nice to be able to get you up to speed on the various locations that we got to. Uh, kind of walk through when we were there the first time. I got to sit by the by the fire where you recorded before. Yeah, that was, that was fun. It was reserved. Some uh, very nice folks probably saw me pining looking at the fire and let us have it. It was very good of them. Uh, once again, definitely made to feel very welcome. A huge thank you to John and Chris for pulling the strings to make the, all of this happen. Uh, it, was, it was a good time. So the... Haunted Attraction itself, which was the main event, yes, uh, which was called, uh, what was it? Haunting, Haunting at the Ridge. At the Ridge. Mm-hmm. Haunting at the Ridge was very charming. Uh, the whole idea that you go up the ski lodge, uh, the ski lift, I'm sorry, ski you lift. go up the ski lift to get to the trail is ingenious because the whole time on the left, you're seeing the decorations from a distance, the lighting some of the smog you're seeing people jump and you're hearing screams and this whole time you're going up there and you're like i gotta walk through all that it it built the suspense because you're hearing like you said you're hearing the screams you can kind of see some of the lights and the attraction through the trees it was it was cool i i like the way that they did that they had some really interesting effects as well that they put to good use some technical effects I can't wait to see as it continues to grow. Oh, and if they keep having turnouts like they do, I can only I can only see it growing, improving, and getting better. They also had a really cool. They called it what the zombie lounge at the at the bottom. They had like a DJ. They had live performers. They had music, food trucks. We had what was it? Deep fried uh, hamburger. No, they were egg they rolls, were cheeseburger right? egg rolls. Cheeseburger egg, egg rolls 
which was a strange that i just felt like i was living in an alternate universe for a little bit there just a lot of n- interesting sensations <laughs> odd foods odd foods uh surreal lighting uh so that was a lot of fun felt very halloween yes that was my t- the takeaway was that felt extremely halloween yes and i I love the fact that the foliage was very accommodating. We had a nice full moon. All of that was rock solid. I mean, you you could not have asked for a better vibe, all things considered. The place was 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 happening too. There was there were a lot of people there. It was. The crowds were the crowds were impressive. The last time we were there it was close to closing. It was on a weeknight. There were no major attractions going on and it was basically like us, the staff, and the last few patrons kind of shuffling out of the restaurant. So to see it just packed was completely different. Which, in a sense, from a paranormal investigation perspective, did make it a challenge. On one hand, I do think that maybe having a thousand people in a place means that you're just not going to catch that, that haunted vibe or if there is something to be seen, it's going to be drowned out. The details will get lost. Because yes. we were at the bar. I, I got to meet Chris at the bar briefly. But again, it was busy in there. But we had a drink. We looked around. You know, I, I, I just wanted to find a quiet spot. Again, it seemed like it was a quiet evening as far as any. Not, definitely not kids are, were concerned uh, haunting that place. The, the ridge itself during the actual haunted house, again, I was too focused on the people jumping out of, of shacks or, or crawling through smoke clouds for me to you know really clock like, oh, this one is the spirit probably. So here's what I'm thinking. I had one strange experience during the evening, which... You were both there for. Yeah, that was pretty strange. We were along for the ride, one could say. (laughs) (laughs) So, as we stated before, once you have your admission wristband, you go towards the ski uh, Ski lift. lift, Yep. Where there's like some decorations on it, there's some sound effect, but you get in the line, and then you get on the lift, and it takes you up, and then you've got quite a ride ahead of you before it's time to come off of it. So... What was fascinating is we get in there, we're sitting whoop, off the ground. Here we go. I take out my phone. I'm going to do, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to be active on Instagram and I'm going to do like a quick Instagram live, put that up there. Oh, what's that? My wife's calling me. She, she and the dog are listening as uh Something crashed in the house. Something that sounded like glass or ceramic shattered. And they're terrified. Um, and it was probably something falling down. Uh, by the way, she it's been hours now. She is fine. But uh, a friend drove up afterwards as well. But uh, she was very spooked about that. And that would have been... Because it, she called about 10 seconds after we got on the lift. Right. Meaning that crash... That shatter would have happened the moment our butts were in that seat and we were on the lift. Which, I mean, Matt, you definitely uh, 
didn't want to use the word, but synchronicity. Synchronicity, high strangeness, the phenomenon. Right. So, uh, she did. I, I, I was listening, kind of, to sort of a horror movie, as were you from speakerphone, as she does start going through the house. Uh, she has Gwyn the shillelagh, and is you know I guess like slicing the pie with her blunt instrument. Couldn't find out what the sound was we have no idea Yeah, you guys still don't know what broke we don't know what broke we have no idea there was a, apparently a distinct crashing sound from a specific point in the house and she said if this is if this is anything in your investigation i'm gonna hit you with 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 gwen so hopefully that doesn't happen <laughs> you'll have to keep us updated when you get home we'll do we'll certainly do so as to as to the phenomenon itself and what we think it might be. We were toying with the fact, or we were toying with the possibility that it was two different things, right? You've got the creepy little girl in the restaurant, and then you've got whatever's running around outside. Right, which could be multiple things. It could be... I don't think it's multiple things. What do you think it is? I don't have anything really definitive, but it's kind of a short list, right? So... Whatever it is, is definitely intelligent, interactive. It's got a playbook at its disposal. You've got mimicry. You've got apparitions. You've got, you know, poltergeist activity. You've got the intrusive thoughts. I mean, what whatever it is, is clearly pretty potent. I mean, I don't... I don't necessarily want to jump to conclusions and call it a skinwalker, but a lot of that does pull from the same playbook. So, one thing that I noticed was that the place where you heard the giggle yes. would have been at about the same place where, unfortunately, uh, the tragedy happened in 2001. Yeah, we did verify that with uh, John when we were there. Yeah, that was a bit of a yeah, it, it's coincidence, a, it's, not coincidence. It's a specific spot, and that specific spot does seem to be close to where the giggle happened. The significance of that could be nothing, because again, that was also one of the only quiet places on the trail, really, all things considered. So, I don't, I don't know. I... I feel like there is something intelligent and non-human out there. I think that this goes before the haunted house. Yeah. I think the haunted house... I, mean, I agree with that. ...gave people a context with which to begin noticing some of the phenomenon. I think more employees are there at night later on the ridge being thoughtful or being spooked is there, you know, putting up these decorations... I, I have a feeling like maybe something about the house, the haunted house attraction allowed them to notice this. Or, alternatively, if it was the original narrative we heard, right? We saw the section of the, of the walkthrough that was the, like, vaguely cryptid skinwalker thing happening... 
And that was, first of all, the spookiest part of the trail. It definitely was. The practical effects on that were awesome. And, and it was, you were telling me it was a company that they're working with now that does practical effects for Halloween attractions. Yeah, so these guys had a deal with a local theme park that I guess had fallen through. And they picked up a contract with Powder Ridge, you know, to kind of drum up additional business. And so that really boosted, I think, a lot of the resources and production value of the trail overall. That's why I'm excited to see how it develops, because you can see... And I've noticed that I, I'm into haunted house attractions, and especially places I've gone to repeatedly. I can notice how they repurpose designs from earlier years, you know. Last year you did a whole toxic waste theme and now i can see the barrels throughout your five haunted houses right it's always interesting to see how a place evolves over time because haunted houses much like theme parks always exist in your memory different than how they are in the present they are by nature an ephemeral experience that will once experienced only exist in your memory and will never be the exact same thing twice I would love to go back to this place and see as it's clearly growing, it's on this upswing, because you could see the exact spots where this group was adding a little bit more because the style of the decoration changed. So you're going through this really cool, what feels like a, this really cool local Halloween attraction that was a ton of fun. And then you get these spots where suddenly it's like, oh, it just got real. Oh, it just got real. There's like two spots on the trail I can think of where it was this sudden different caliber. And I, I hope to see that also kind of spread more over time. One of those was the area they think made everything haunted. Yes. It was that it was that that particular spooky part with the American lore. And I don't think it drummed up anything, right? I if it did then what we need to do is we need to find the name of that company. We need to find the other attractions that have worked with them. And we need to reach out and contact people if they also have a similar narrative. In which case that would mean these Halloween decorations are ritualistically creating these, calling these things. That would be one hell of a story. That'd be crazy. To the point where I don't believe... I, that can't be what's happening, but I will look into it. Oh, yeah. No, we, we'll have to follow up, but that would be such a truth is stranger than fiction situation. So I, I feel like Powder Ridge has had something there, as Dave was insisting, uh, uh, among others who say it's been two and a half years, other people say it's gone on longer. I think there's been something there. I definitely think that there's been something there for some time. That's the vibe that I get too. Too much has gone on over such a period of time prior to this attraction that I I can't I can't just spin it off as something that was completely aggravated by this. Also there have only been one or two haunted attractions that actually inspire a feeling of dread. Right? Um, it is a rare thing to have a haunted house attraction that you could actually believe would call darkness. And this was not that the vibe, the vibe at 
Haunting at the Ridge was fun. Uh, I have to say, sometimes they jumped out and scared us. Once or twice, they said a punchline instead, which which cut the tension in a really cool way. What's a cannibal's favorite snack? Slim Jim. Slim Jim. That was so good. That was good. But, to your point, that was the highlight of that particular section. I loved it. It was great. Right. Right. And a dude was cracking about Slim Jim's ain't gonna call the the darkness of the forest no upon us so and and i also don't think that putting you know an elk skull on round wicker and mounting that on antlers is going to call the wrath of the wood i don't think i just don't think that that's what it is so but 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 there are things that were experienced. So I, what is it? It's something that exists outside the haunted house, has been there longer, and people are observing it now. People are aware of it more. So, I mean, fair, fair to say, the, ha- the haunted house may not have been causative, but it definitely boosted awareness. The, it raised the human awareness of the phenomenon. And that's what we're doing right now. And now we're talking about it and we're saying, cool, 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 haunted house, loved it, a lot of fun. Bring your bring your let's, kids. Let's dump some kerosene on the supernatural fire. Yeah, but let's look, yeah, let's look at this other thing. The this girl, let, let's talk about the girl in the in the lodge that is there when it's quiet. Her limbs elongate. Well, and I think the That the, was observed outside. That was outside. So I think that that's the, the separation, is you have the one girl who's out in the woods, or noticed out in the woods. The one out in the woods has that the was distorted... that had the distorted features. Oh, that was the one that okay. Dave was mentioning he has a picture of that we still need to go... Yeah, with. we do need to I go thought, fish that out. Yeah. I thought he was saying that the little girl in the lodge had... No, 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 the oh, one outside. Oh, that's just your standard run-of-the-mill spooky, spooky ephemeral being in a lodge. All right. Yeah, I think that one. I think that's that in one every one. restaurant. Hey, guy. Hey, folks. <laughs> that's in every restaurant. If you ever say to your loved ones, "Excuse me for a moment," and you go to the bathroom, and you're looking for the men's room or the women's room, just remember that that thing's in every restaurant. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. It's in the. It's in the bathroom with you. You're fine. It's not a kid, though. So yeah. the thing outside, I <laughs> so think, you might not be fine, but you're fine. I think that the the thing outside, uh, especially okay, okay. So let's play with that. A form of a girl, but the limbs elongated. Yep, it's wearing the lore, the two thousand one lore that people gave it. Yeah, it's wearing that, putting it on like a cloak. Because what you expect to see, and thus it is, right? That kind of mentality. I got it. So there are two kinds, I will say, in, not in folklore, but let's talk about new American folklore. There seem to be two buckets that we put skinwalkers in. The first one is the, classically, the uh, Navajo legend of the skinwalker. Uh, and then the other version is high strangeness skinwalkers. So, Ben, I, I have to say, it's only a skinwalker if it comes from the Navajo region of Utah. 
Yes. Otherwise, it's just sparkling shapeshifters. You've been sitting on that one for a long time. The time was right to pop the cork. How does it feel? Pretty good. It's like a weight off my chest. But you were saying. I was saying. So you have your you have your traditional skinwalkers. They were people who have gone studying and ritualistically changing themselves until they cross a threshold. They were human once. They're corporeal threats. They're the ones you have to worry about on a very physical threat level. I put them in the same realm as, you know, your robed figures in the woods do in rituals. Very culty. This one's a little bit more dangerous, well, I would the, say. The skinwalker, the skinwalker in that traditional sense has since shredded their humanity. And it is something that can quasi-take the form of animals. It's up to strange things. It, it's not quite a human anymore. But it is a threat, and it can mimic, and it can trick. And it isn't just in Navajo regions. There are New York equivalents of the same legend. There, all over North America, there are equivalents of this same thing. Uh, it was a person who practiced forbidden arts and changed now i will say the urges the the compulsions if you will that's drifting a little more from skinwalker and into wendigo territory but i'm gonna say it's not wendigo either because wendigo is all about the cannibal's favorite snack slim jims it wants you to take a bite out of a person that's the whole wendigo thing it's about starvation that's true that's the gotcha moment so, I feel like the compulsions are a clue, but I'm looking at the high strangeness skinwalker. I'm talking about skinwalker, skinwalker ranch skinwalker. This, this kind of more new understanding where it is we're using an old term for a new observation that doesn't fit as neatly. Will you get a big dog? You get strange lights. You get strange thoughts. You get It gets more into the woo weird. The things that are happening at Powder Ridge, in my opinion, look like a ghost story because that's what we're telling. That's the story we're giving. But if you actually look at all the phenomenon, it's some, it's some woo spooky stuff. We're getting into high strangeness territory here. It, it is feeling a little more capital P, I'd say. But then you talked about the whistle. Yeah, yeah, so the whistle. That was very deliberate. So as I'm, as I'm weighing these, right? I'm just, as I'm weighing the two of these back and forth, and I might be comparing apples to apples and saying, is it an apple or is it an apple, right? This, th this exercise of how other people have categorized skinwalkers might be dragging. And I apologize. I, I, I'm just interested in, in what this is. Well, but that's also current folklore, right? So how best does that folklore stack up with what we're seeing? How much of it's been misconstrued? How much of it's something totally new? So I just think that if we saw the form of a girl that shifted and twisted, we get intelligence speaking. Something whistled after high EMF readings. 
something unseen's giggling in the forest. Right. We're getting a mischievous thing. We have no sign that it can corporeally manifest. The big black dog, that's spooky, but it hasn't come up enough for us to correlate it maybe to this. That, that might have just been a dog. So until we hear more about that, let's put that one to the side because that was the only thing pointing towards a physical manifestation. And even that is suspect. Right. And it's the rule of it happened once. It happened once. It's not a pattern. It's a one-off right so, now. So we have no sign this thing has a body, a physical body, and we know that its form seems to be able to vary and change, and it's not a person. Vocally and visually, and it's certainly mischievous. So we've got a mimic in the woods that plays cat and mouse and puts strange thoughts into people's heads to make them do things, to make them stay put, to anchor them in place, to to make them hurt themselves. That's how it hunts. It wants you in the right place at the right time. Don't go anywhere. It sounds like the same things we've dealt with in the outdoors every time so far. There's a thing that has a hunting ground and it's got its way of getting what it needs. So I guess the next question is going to be, where's that range and where are those little strands of web that you trip that activates it? I think I think that one strange area, any area you had the phenomenon happen, that's important and maybe we need to map that. Maybe we map where all the weird things happened to people. Build a heat map. Because we, we've so far noticed that there does seem to be an ingress point when a being notices you in the woods. A hunting point, it gets in your head and connects to you. And then there's the feeding point. This is where it can try to get you to be where it wants you to so it can do whatever it does to you. It's different than Whiskey Hollow, right? Oh, without it's a It's different doubt. than the Hessian Village, but it's a, it's another thing in the woods I, that needs to feed. I'd say different, different tactics, but same playbook. Ultimately, the end goal doesn't seem to be any different. Yeah, I, I will confidently say that this seems to be something different, but then they mentioned a couple people mentioned shadows. Yes. If we had a shadow form, then I'd say, you know what, it's the same thing again. Because Whiskey Hollow talked about people getting compulsions too. That's right. There, there was definitely conjecture about feelings of despair, uh, feelings of like self-harm type thoughts, and that was all chopped up as just residual from the bad juju that happened there. Yeah. But yeah, what if this is textbook standard for whatever this is when it hunts we might need to update the term road weird to encompass things in the forest because we might be talking about another shadow that has a territory right it makes people do funny things so it can feed it i don't want to keep making everything the same thing we're observing but when you find a pattern yeah identify that pattern yeah, they're a lot of this a lot of this sounds familiar once you strip away the ghost story on top of it. Right. And so I I'm ready to I guess we can each go through with kind of our concluding thoughts. My concluding thought is 
that Haunting at the Ridge is a very fun haunted house attraction that has nothing to do with the very strange mystery happening underneath the surface. That's reasonable. And I, I would say, to pile onto that a little bit, I think that having people go through that attraction is giving this thing a lot of potential to feed off of without maybe people even noticing it. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I mean... On the flip side, maybe it drives it a little further into its burrow. I think that would bear some more study. I want to get back up there and see if we can start plucking at this thing's web strings. See what it can do. When it's not Halloween. When it's and I not do want to Halloween. call back definitely to the fact that a lot of what they had their interactions around was during the time where they were making snow. Right. And it was at those jobs when you're out there all alone with your crew. And Freezing you're, cold, only a couple of you. Yep. And you're that isolated. Might, that isolation might be part of it too. I think isolation is a huge factor. And I think those people... I don't know always how I feel about the theory about like gen humans generating energy like batteries and you get a lot of people and you get a lot of charge, you know, or else New York City would look like Ghostbusters, you know, uh, with, with, with phantom taxi drivers and, and big marshmallow kaiju. So I think that the people moving through, I do think suppresses it. Maybe there will be opportunities for more hauntings because we're getting more people and more people wandering off to the sides and the periphery. But that's true. Maybe that isn't what it wants, you know? Yeah, yeah. like, let, let me... I, I'm going to yes and you here, which is when we... The whole point of Road Weirds, when we talked about them, was that phantoms are see, seen off the sides of roads, even busy roads, with the theory that no one ever wanders off the side of a highway. Right. It's a liminal space where everyone passes it by and no one's ever in. So these oh. things have feeding grounds. People are passing by all the time. It's the car that breaks down that becomes vulnerable. So to your point, when you've got a bunch of people going up a ski lift and down a brightly lit funny trail, you've got employees and other people. Others might be on the periphery and the periphery is where it happens. Maybe. So, I, I think it's pretty clear that we need to check this out in further detail. Yes, absolutely. I, I think, I think above all else, we can't make a definitive theory yet. No. How do you feel about the connection between the haunted house attraction and what's what's happening in the woods? Do you think they're connected? Do you think that the Halloween decorations created this phenomenon? No, not created. I would say it's tangential. If anything, especially during the setup and breakdown, you have a slightly higher than normal but still isolated group of people coming through that would potentially prompt it to hunt and feed a little bit more than normal. But no, I, I don't think that it begot this thing. I'm pretty sure it predates the attraction. Okay. That also really seems to be the case given how many of these things have happened outside of the purview. Well of, outside. Exactly. Where you heard the whistle, where objects have moved in, in storage areas. You know, I don't think that's Halloween decorations. 
no. up on a hill way far away. Okay. Any thoughts, Matt? I think you guys covered most of mine that okay. I would have given it. Well, thank you for making all of this happen. Yes. It was, uh, for me, it was just a question that spurred on to a couple discussions that ended in good ways for us, so I can't complain. No, definitely not. I think that does it for us this evening. Yes, folks, have a happy Halloween. Haunt and Gather, a paranormal podcast exploring the new American folklore and homesteading in the great outdoors, is written and produced by Benjamin Bigensky and Jack Krisky. Our theme song, Into the Red Light, is written and performed by Beezus Taylor and the Funeral Party. Check out her album, The Ghost Hunter's Handbook, as well as her other works on YouTube and Spotify. Tonight's spooky outro is Graveyard Shift by Kevin McLeod, licensed under CCBY 3.0 of the Creative Commons.